Welcome to another episode of Artifacts, where our lives affect art inside out. Art full circle. I am your host, Jade Hassel, and today I'm in conversation with amazing textile and multimedia artist, Amy Zanders. Amy is a Bermudian textile artist currently based in Liverpool, UK. She has been an enthusiastic and unconventional artist since the age of two years old when she made her first masterpiece on the living room wall with crayons. Since then, Amy has explored countless other mediums, including silkscreen, weaving, painting, papermaking, and metalwork. An honors graduate of International Fine Arts College at Keene University, Amy works intuitively using bright colors, mixed mediums, and themes from her childhood to create her art. Zanders has been in countless art exhibitions and has won few awards while in the process. In 2010, she won a Shaman Prize for Innovation at the Masterworks Museum of Bermuda Art. In 2013, Zanders won the City of Hamilton's Art Festival competition with her collaborative piece with fellow artist Milton Hill. Zanders' art installation, When the Bow Breaks, was featured in the Bermuda Biennial. When the Bow Breaks was also chosen by the Textile Museum of Canada to represent Bermuda at the 2015 Pan Am Games. Zanders is also the founder of St. George's Art Walk and was the events organizer between the years of 2011 to 2015. Zanders has also volunteered her time teaching at the Mid-Atlantic Wellness Institute to service users with intellectual disabilities and also service users recovering from mental illness. Zanders works mostly with textiles and screen printing. However, since arriving at Liverpool John Moores University in the UK, Xander's practice has shifted focus, and she's currently exploring art performance, ritual, costume, video, and sculpture. Amy is currently a volunteer at Blue Coat in Liverpool, working with artists with intellectual disabilities. She also teaches classes as a guest art instructor for Red Cross's SNAP program, which supplies support for refugees and asylum seekers in Liverpool and Manchester. Amy's practice is fun, experimental, and engaging. Her commitment to her arts practice beyond her studio that involves the community in which she finds herself is both admirable and noteworthy. If you would like to connect with Amy, you can find her on Instagram at Amy Zanders. Good afternoon, Amy. Welcome to the Artifacts podcast. We're super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to let everybody know how I know Amy. Um, I don't know if you know this, Amy, but the first time that I had met you, I think it was 2014, when you put on the art walk, that was the first time I had ever shown my work publicly. <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but you've been a part of my journey, literally because of that opportunity. So thank you so much for that. And all oh the work God. that you, yeah, I don't know if you How knew that. You following your whole, your whole trajectory since, since first meeting you. Yeah. And actually, my sister was the one that interviewed you for um, uh, Channel 82. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my and gosh. That's I think you crazy. You find that online. So, but what's incredible is like seeing your growth from like you were really good then, but the growth since then, and now you're like a badass. It's just really <laughs> thank you amazing so much. to see, and it's exciting. Yeah, These thank beautiful, you. Beautiful, exciting pieces that you're making, and you've made it from there to the biannual, which is that's incredible in such a short period of time. It's crazy, that even blows my mind too. Like thinking about that, and 
I mean, that's always been a dream, but I didn't think that it would happen like so soon. Like I was like, okay, maybe 10 years it will happen. So no, I'm so happy for you. And I just love your work. I love what you're doing. Thank you. I love you. that Same. you're over in China working so hard and you can see like the steps and it, I don't know where you're going from this, but I can only see good things. You're just doing, you're, you're just incredible. Oh, thank kid. you so much. I'm a big fan of yours as well. I remember seeing your work, your textile work, and I was like, this is so cool. And Aww. at the time, I remember when I first seen it years ago, um, it was awesome for me to see that because it kind of like took me out of a box from thinking about like what art is and to like moving into a place like thinking about what art could be. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't think about like other materials, like just getting started with art. You know, you always think about drawing and painting but you never really think about other mediums and so seeing your artwork was like one of the first artworks I was just like wow like this this is art too so thank you for your work Aww. um I really I really love it and also I've been following on Instagram and loving which at some point I'd love to talk about it um later in the podcast but loving what you're doing on Instagram your experimental videos and your films your mini films that you're making those are so freaking cool yes I love those um but I wanted to ask you first how has living in Bermuda inspired your work I think um I don't know about you but it's something that it's just in you like the colors that come out yeah um the materials you use the way that you draw certain things the putting in um fringe for instance and or using shells or using feathers and um, those kind of things you take for granted because that's what you see so even like working or doing things over there and the shapes that you would use and trying to use that over here and um, having and it's very difficult to explain why I'm using the colors mm -hmm. or why I have like beads or why I'm using woven things and okay. I think like in Bermuda you have a lot of woven culture with people doing palm weaving and mm -hmm. you know all that kind of thing that's part of our culture hat making hats and straw hats and all that kind of stuff so um it's like um the writer brian berlin like bermuda's most famous writer like he said that bermuda's his wellspring and i feel like that's the way for most of us is that we carry it with us and i don't know how to explain that any other way but it's something that comes out of us in our work and that's where the colors i feel come from yeah, definitely. I, I can agree with that. My palette has definitely been inspired. And I think subconsciously, like you were saying too, like, you you know, not even really like a, a conscious decision, like, okay, I'm going to use this color. But I feel like I've been drawn to the colors that I use, because it's like you said, it's just kind of like embedded into us, we see it all around us. And um, it just it has to come out eventually. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. I wanted to ask you, you've been making work since the age of two, which is incredible. That's amazing. Do you have like some of the works that you made when you were really young still? Um, I do not. I think a lot of it, like hurricanes and things like that, have right. destroyed many of the things that I've made. Yeah. Um, especially like Hurricane Fabian. Um, yes. Yeah, like, outside and things got destroyed. So I, I really don't. Right. Um, a lot of my, like throughout the years, a lot of my... Um, work from college from like I guess like in my uh, 18 19 a lot of that got destroyed as well so oh, no. so it, it makes it also kind of like um 
I'm not so precious with it either. Like, right, right. To think like, okay, that's fine. It's not a life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can make more, but yeah, yeah I, I have hardly anything. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting though. Like, you may not have it physically, but it's still in you, and it's still a part of you, and you've been doing it for so long. So I wanted to ask you, like, how have you seen your work evolve over the years? It's just weird. Like I started off doing illustration, I did painting and illustration and was working on that. And then um, it evolved to more like um, I got into printmaking when I went to New Jersey, um, right. in school in New Jersey, and I just fell in love with it. It's something, it's like a meditation. So mm. it's, uh, that's when, like I've always done art. It always made me feel good to do it. I, I don't know about you, but when you're doing it for hours and hours, it's a challenge. You're fighting yes. with it. But it's mm-hmm. also a meditation. There's something kind of calming about that. And it's something um, rewarding about figuring it out and, and defeating the canvas or defeating the, the issue. But yeah. um, I feel like with printmaking, what's, it's the process of it. Of It's long. It takes a long time for things to dry, mm-hmm. um, to set it up. And it's the meditative quality of it that I, I just love. I, I think I like long processes because of that. Um, weaving is like that too. Like setting up a loom takes a long time and um, it's very mathematical. So mm. you do have to concentrate, but there's, it's, I, I can't, I'm not sure another artist, it's very difficult for me to um, explain that. It's, it's about the, the texture and the feel of it. Yes. And you become transformed into something else. Mm, absolutely mind away so but I think it's gone from that to that and I go through phases I think I just love learning new things Mm. and then going back to something in the beginning like now I'm getting back into drawing with the um, stop motion animation which I never thought I would would do so I'm making like paper puppets I'm doing things like uh, going back to like color pencils and things I thought I just done away with but eventually all the skills that you've learned before you will bring them back for something and yeah, right now it comes in handy. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. So it's just kind of like they're in your back pocket as a part of your arsenal. Like you revisit it at some point. Like it just, it stays with you like over the time. It stays with you. But also like, I think with all artists, we have an ability to adapt. Like um, March, mid-March, my school closed down. And so I had no equipment. My laptop broke. I had no cameras, nothing to work with. All I had was my phone. I looked online for like how I can do what I could do. And I looked up stop motion and mm-hmm. then I found the app and I just started making things with that just to keep going. I needed to show things as well, like show that I was working. I'm still getting graded even though there's a pandemic. So right. I, I learned how to do animation out of desperation, I suppose. But I didn't think I'd like it like this. Like, I really enjoy it. And they're super awesome. I mean, I was I was actually showing them to my mom. Because um, yeah. I was, yeah, <laughs> I was showing, I was like, this is so freaking cool. I love it. It's interesting. When I had seen the works, I was just taking a film class online mm-hmm. as well. And so when you had posted, I think your first video, I was like, this is cool. I absolutely love it. And it's just amazing to see like how much you've even grown with stop motion animation in just a short period of time. Cause like you can see the growth in the films. I don't know if you've looked back at the ones that you first started, but like I could see um, so much more growth and it. it's, it's super awesome. I think they're really, really cool. Where do you see yourself like going with those? Cause I think they're really strong works. I think what I want to do is uh, what I was 
doing before was getting into like large scale installations. Mm -hmm. So I, I would make, um, you know, costumes and uh, just kind of parade around in them, make masks and things, and then project right. them onto um, different surfaces, um, mm -hmm. like making uh, large trees, like paper mache trees, and then project having lights all over the place. They right. sound more complicated than they are, but just large spla uh, splashes of color everywhere. Um, but I, I think that what I want to do with them is evolve them a little bit more, actually get into storytelling and uh, nice. get into writing instead of being afraid of writing. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I find it like I don't want people to know my thoughts, you know what I mean? Or right. my thoughts behind things and I need to get over that. So mm -hmm. I think um, being more um, vulnerable with putting words and um, actual stories for some of them. But I like the nonsensical yeah. element, I think, more. But I do want to have a more linear storyline instead of things just being all over the place. Right. Interesting. Give that a try. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be awesome for those. It's interesting you mentioned about um, storytelling because I've, I've also struggled with this as well, like for a really long time. And so I think like just recently, like I've been a little bit more <laughs> kind of like transparent with like my journey and the things that are happening in my life. And it's interesting because I've found that I've made so many more connections with people um, because they're, they can understand the work a little bit more because mm -hmm. they, they understand like what I'm trying to communicate through the pieces, which is, which is interesting. So I think it could be really great for you to, you know, to explore a little bit more storytelling with your work. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about the art walk because, you know, that was the first place that I had shown my work. And so that created a great opportunity for me and I'm sure for so many other artists as well. But can you share a little bit how you came up with the start of the festival? Well, art walk, um, anything that's ever done is, is always like a, a group of people. Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that, that's the only way to get it to work. So how it actually started was having a conversation with Michelle Wales, yes. who owned the, the, the coffee shop called CV Cafe. And mm -hmm. so we just had a meeting and we invited artists to um, come aboard. And um, so we just had a discussion and there were just committed store owners and fellow artists that were committed to doing it and making it happen. Right. So that's how it initially came out. We didn't have permission from the St. George's Corporation, Corporation right. St. George's. We couldn't get a hold of them, unfortunately. Um, there was some miscommunication. I'm just going to leave it right there. Right. Um, but anywho, um, we decided to just have it in private property, so um, private store owners, and just do it in there. So that's how it came. And then we just wanted to try it out. It was during the recession. St. Mm -hmm. George's was um, pretty bad at the time and that's where I grew up and it was kind of sad to see it with all the stores kind of shut right and I didn't want to you know like it was just like heartbreaking to come back from New Jersey going back to Bermuda mm -hmm. and seeing that it was once a lively place was just kind of like silent you right. know it right. used to be like lively all the time with bands being around and all that kind of stuff um so they were for it we did it and it just grew from there um we had no budget um, the following year, Arts Council gave us some money, and then I let my um, my dream was to get drag queens in St. George's. Oh, that would have so been so cool. We did. We had. Um, oh, did you do it? Awesome. We did. Yeah. So the second one we did, we had uh, the Queen of Bermuda, 
and the queen of Bermuda brought down her friends and it was like a really cool little drag show right there in Georgia so it was cool that is cool so each year we tried to do it different and we just got more funding um and eventually um it got to the one where you were part of which is the carnival of lights and more people were on board the more they they knew about it or even if they didn't know about it they still wanted to be a part of it which was wonderful yeah Um, but yeah then I just got so tired I'm like I can't do this anymore I want to go back to school but it's um it was a learning experience learning how to deal with people learning how to herd artists it's not an easy task of course not (laughs) yeah but I mean I think it's awesome you know that you that you did that and you know, it's on your resume, and I'm sure you learned so much from that. Literally, like, you may not think it's a big deal, but, like, for me, I was so afraid. Like, that was the first time I had ever shown my work. And so, yes. And so, like, that was, like, part of me, like, overcoming my fear. Like, that was, like, one of the earliest moments where I was, like, okay, you know, I want to do art, but I'm so afraid. I just want to put it out there. So, I mean, it's – you may not have, you know – thought like you know how your story could be like interweaved into other people's stories but seriously that the art walk was definitely the one of the catalysts for me like to really get my my work out there so I thank you again um, because yeah you gotta make me cry (laughs) yes I'm serious honestly like I, I had like a real a real um fear of publicly like showing my work for a really what long time. What made you do it? You just said, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. Like, what was the, the thing that pushed you saying, I'm doing this? You know, for me, I told myself, like, you know, if if this is what you want to do, obviously your work just can't sit in your room with you. <laughs> it has to get out there for people to see it. And so, you know, I also struggled with trying to figure out what I was going to price the work at that was also a struggle and then I was just like you know what fuck it I just I need to put it out there and you know who cares what the reception is like this is something that I've wanted for a really long time but just kind of never really believed that it could be a reality for me and so it felt like standing on a ledge that's what it felt like (laughs) and so then yeah so then when your sister interviewed me that night I was like oh my gosh this is why I didn't want (laughs) to Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, this is why I did great, it. You did so great. You wouldn't have known it. You looked all like confident and everything it was great. Oh my goodness. That it's so funny um how things appear, but like literally inside I was dying. I was like, oh my god, I did not want to show my work and now I'm gonna be on TV. <laughs> oh, I was goodness. so nervous. But yeah, I mean it's funny how like everything like leads to the next thing, to the next thing, because I mean Back then, I, you know, didn't want to be on TV. Now I'm, like, doing this podcast. It's so funny how life is. But um, right around now, you're, like, talking away. <laughs> right, which is crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. That's the art walk. Amazing. You are a part that, of my story. Oh, that's so nice. But I'm thinking as well, like, things that you're doing. Like, even the, you're doing a podcast, which is amazing. But it's stuff like... I think the initial thing for doing the art, what was also the, the whole St. George's thing, yes, but it was also trying to like showcase we have talent here. And I yes. think I just got sick of seeing we always outsourced artists. We always got like film crews that were mm-hmm. from UK, Canada, or the United States. And we yes. never used our own people for singers, for actors, musicians, everything. Like we have it 
there and it's like can you please give us attention and pay us you know yes bermuda has such an amazing talent base and we just need to just tap into it and um it's funny because like people have been messaging me saying oh my goodness i didn't know about this bermudian artist like thanks like this is awesome like i can support this person now which i think Mm -hmm. is you know so awesome like that's how it's supposed to be like we should be highlighted. We should know about some of the amazing creative things that are happening on island. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it was like by accident. So just going to like um, walking around the store, walking around town and, and looking at like a, a clothing store and seeing this dress made out of paper. And it was actually oh, wow. made by a, um, a, a young Bermudian artist and she was a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. And just finding out her name and having a fashion show during like the art walks as well, or people walking around in, in these like unconventional material um, outfits. Oh, that's you know, super like cool. um, what's his name? Like uh, James Lee, and he had like a whole crew. They were a whole collective, like Neil, Neil yes. J, like mm-hmm. all of them. Like it was just like these wonderful, very talented people. And it's just seeing all of that creative energy in one time. And I think there's something magical about seeing all of that together. All yes. this creativity, all it's this powerful. creative energy. It mm-hmm. is. And I wish we could see more of it. Like, I think the, the whole corporateness of it needs to go and just let artists do things and take over for a change because yeah. it creates like a better, smoother vibe. Yeah, definitely. There seems to be like a, a wave that's kind of happening. Like, I feel like artists are who are doing more creative things in Bermuda for me anyway like more than I've ever really seen um Mm -hmm. which is so awesome because I feel like it's kind of like a renaissance thing that's happening like people are just kind of tapping into their creative talents and things like that and sharing them I think it's awesome and really happy to be a part of that because I feel like it's kind of like history in the making you know it is are you talking about pre-COVID or now um interestingly both both but I feel like even after COVID like there are some um you know creative things that have been happening over COVID too which I think is really cool like people have had the opportunity to just kind of slow down and and do other things like that they wouldn't normally do because you know they're not really too stressed out or not really at work and so there has kind of been like a surge of creativity that I've seen online recently how about you have you seen that? Um, I've seen, well, right now I'm part of like a group, um, my classmates, basically, we decided to form a collective and to just meet up because, um, and do performances and get more into performance. So we're doing things on like at the beach and somebody will like tomorrow, um, cause will be performing at the beach. So we're, we're learning how to live stream and do all those kind of things. So, um, each week, one of us would do a performance somewhere last week, um, uh, Angelo, we, we took a ferry. So he did a performance on the ferry going towards the world from Liverpool to the world. Oh, that's cool. And it was, yeah, it was my first time being on a ferry boat, you know, um, here and right. to go on it. And the first time being a performance, it's very, it's just really awesome. I'm trying to do these experimental things just to test things out one, but also it's nice to be together, even though we have to social distance, but it's right. still kind of nice to be in a group and actually talk with people and talk out ideas. From what I see with like, I, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but there seems to be like, if you look at past histories and especially in art history, um, really nonsensical, ridiculous, really amazing things come out of um, world devastations. I don't know what's going to come out of the pandemic, but after World War One, you had Dada, World War Two, 
what was World War II? Um, that was the Bauhaus. With Japan, they had the whole um, uh, Buto dance. So it's like after World War II. So it's like um, all of these things are going to come out of it. And I find that exciting. Like what's, what's happening yeah, now? Yeah, what's next? The energy. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it coming. Like what, what's coming? It's going to be, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I'm also excited because I feel like not just the art world, but like the world in general is mm-hmm. going to be changed. And so, you know, what's going to be our reality after this? Like it, it will be really cool. interesting to see. Yeah, and how is art going to be exhibited? I mean, how what a gallery is going to look like? Can mm. we do galleries at home? Like, right. So. I mean, it seems like we can because I've been I've been seeing <laughs> so many different exhibitions popping up online, and it's just like, yeah, we. I mean, we can literally show showcase our work online and sell it online, and it's you know you don't need to really go to an exhibition. But what's interesting about that too is that I really like going to exhibitions i don't Me know too. about you but <laughs> yeah, I do. I that's one there. of the things i've missed so much during this time it's just being able to go to exhibitions i um, like it. i like going to shows uh, well i like going i don't necessarily like uh the opening events but i do mm-hmm. like going and seeing new work or yes. just going to like uh the tate and seeing what's happening there going to museums like i, I just love that yeah same same but we'll see how the world like stands up on its feet after especially the art world how it stands up on its feet after this be really interested to see how that works out mm-hmm. um so yeah it's amazing like some of the things that you're doing here in the UK with your collective which I think is super awesome so you've been based both in Bermuda and the UK so what's your experience been like um in both places or like how have they been similar or different um I think in Bermuda it was a little it's Bermuda is easier and harder at the same time it's easier because um you're closer to who the people are people know each other right. so you can kind of um talk with them that way and it, it's easier to make those connections mm-hmm. right out here it's a little bit more difficult because things are spaced out and when you're new it takes you a while to know who um the connectors are like you need to know who the people that will be willing to work with you versus those versus those who who will probably take a while because they need to get to know you first it's those that are enthusiastic those that you can trust those that will show up like it's a push and pull for both places i do feel that the only thing that different is i mean because people are people and you're going to have um people that are kind to you and people that are not so kind to you the only thing that's different is really the location and access to larger and bigger things so access to um, bigger galleries um, opportunities to um, volunteer for places um, being hooked up by friends unexpectedly in different scenarios Um, yes but that's pretty much it I just think I don't want to say that any anyone's they're just different. Different, just yeah. Different. That's it. it. You can't really, the attitudes are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture's different. The culture's different. Yeah. They're not really understanding like certain things that I would say or uh, color choices or material choices that I use are kind of baffling um, for people that are not Islanders. Right. Because I have a classmate that's from Malta and we have similar um situations like they built their houses out of limestone 
and they oh, have like bougainvillea flowers and things like that. And so she had like a piece of limestone in her work and bougainvillea flowers. And people are like, well, what is this? And it's like, as an islander as well, you're like, yeah, it's yeah limestone. you know it, right? <laughs> yeah. This is important because it's what we use our houses with. We put our, you know, we get our water from it, you know, like all of these things that kind of go over their head. So it's less explaining, but you have to explain more, I feel, out mm-hmm. here because mm-hmm. something something simple that you think is simple is very complex because they don't have to deal with it right like, like a I'm, different a different frame of reference or yeah. even understanding yeah a different perspective so it's yeah. also kind of like how do you explain gumbays to people that don't understand right yeah how do you explain like the effects of slavery both mm-hmm. native americans that were brought over to bermuda and the enslaved africans and how do you explain that when they're like, what do you mean they enslaved Native Americans? It's just like part of their, they don't know about that part of the world's history. Right. So yeah. it's those kind of things that I, I struggle with over here that I don't have to talk about back home. But right. otherwise, people are people. Right. It's the same in that in that regard. Yes. That's really interesting. I'm just thinking about, even with my program too, um, they're like, I come from a completely different background as well than most of my cohort as well. And so I, I find that I have to explain and sometimes over explain some things to um, perspectives and things that I'm trying to do with my work as well. Funny though, because when I'm explaining the work, it kind of helps. It helps me even like kind yeah. of get to like the bottom of what it is that I'm trying to communicate or what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I feel like the differences have been helpful in that yeah. way. Yeah. Just for just for understanding, like for like, how can how do you explain to someone who has no concept or reference point for understanding this? Like literally trying to break it down to to explain it to that kind of person, I think really helps in the long run for you to be able to understand your work. It it does, but it's certain things that you take for granted, like um, talking about I want to go to I want to do a tour like the Appalachian Mountains kind of thing, but I'm mm-hmm. kind of nervous. And right. saying that to people over here, and they're like, well, why are you nervous? I'm like, well, uh, there's a lot of people down there that don't like people like me. And they're like, right. what do you mean? They seem friendly enough. It's like, that's not what I mean. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they, they just don't get the uh, the reference to the racism yeah. down yeah. south in the U.S. or the whole Appalachian Trail kind of, you know, App- Appalachian Mountains and Kentucky mm-hmm. and places like that. Not right. saying it's always racist down there, but, you know, don't hear much. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess there are, like, places that you would just kind of be wary anyway. Or, like, we would be kind of have that just in the back of our mind. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. other people don't necessarily need to think about those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Amy, you had a really interesting experience in 2015 um, where you participated in an artist lock-in in a Mm -hmm. castle which was super cool i read a little bit about it but i would love to hear more can you share with us what that experience was like that was amazing so it was during like the netwest games and they were happening in um jersey so they um the jersey council was like we want to have um an artist lock-in to celebrate you know while all of the netwest games are going on so they invited artists um from each uh, Commonwealth Island right. part of it. Um, so the premise was we're locked in a castle mm-hmm. for two weeks and 
they put us into different groups. It was kind of like a mixture between like Project Runway and any other reality TV show that you could right. think of. Right, that's you have interesting. A, you, you're working not just with like visual artists, you have like um, people that are, are singers, dancers, mm -hmm. um, theater majors, theater designers, um, poets. Um, so it's like all of these artists from all walks of life. Right. And they would put you into these um, groups each day where you had to come up with a concept or they would give you a concept and you have to come up with a piece of art at the end of the day. So some of it would involve like one time it was me involved with a, he was a singer, a musician. Mm -hmm. And so we actually wrote a song and performed it. And that's which cool. Like, yeah, but I'm not a singer. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I did it. Yeah. But it's just things like that. So it's like collaborating and seeing what you can come up with. So it was really ex wonderful, but also hearing the stories of people from other islands and they have a similar situation to what we have where, um, you know, you got people from Faroe Islands or um, Western Isles or, you know, different islands where they're saying that the locals aren't really taken seriously. Mm. Um, they give more prominence to artists from bigger countries. Right. So if you're from like England or France or something like that, um, you're, you're treated like a, a star. Right. Meanwhile, other artists aren't really given funding. It's just, it's kind of weird. It's like how we celebrate other people, but we won't celebrate our own. Yeah, it's kind of like that at home too. Yeah, so we that's what we shared. Yeah. That's what I thought was interesting. Yeah. We all shared that kind of situation. I don't know what that is exactly, where we don't like support each other as much right. as we should. Right. Cool thing was, is that um, each time, like the... Like I saw a thing, like it's an old castle, but it was also used as a bunker during World War II. So there were oh, all cool. these like um, these bunkers, like when the Germans took over. Mm -hmm. So you see all of that, um, remnants of that in there. Um, and also the stories, because you can, it was actually a museum inside there as well. So during the day we can go inside. Um, and also what was weird about it was like, who lived in the castle during the time. It had a hermitage. Like, it's really this beautiful place. I would suggest wow. everybody to just see it. And we got to, to stay there, you know. Um, what what the is other? the name of the castle? It's called Elizabeth Castle. So you had to get there by um, like a amphibious ferry. Okay. So you had to wait for the tide. So the tide, we would drive there. And then after a certain amount of um, time, the tide would get so high you right. couldn't walk like you could walk during a certain point in time but after that there's no way um, wow it's beautiful it's just it's the it's really cool jersey's beautiful yeah um, i mean that sounds like an experience of a lifetime so it was kind of like a residency kind of sort of it is a it is a residency and i think um actually alan uh when he was from gibraltar mm -hmm. he started up something similar in gibraltar last year and ed smith went on to it he went to it and it was a, oh, a lot. Oh, yes. He cool. mentioned that to me. He, he, he would love it. Yeah. So I think Jersey will probably, they've done it a few times. So just keep your eyes open for when it comes out again. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I believe like Alan will probably do that again as well. Um, it's just, it's a, it's, I can't explain. You have to go. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing for artists because one, they want to be there. They were chosen to be there and they're just lovely people. And yes. the amount of like experience and um, the wealth of information that you can come away with, it's, it is life changing event.
Yeah, definitely. Did you, were you able to develop like some great relationships with the artists? Like, are you still I'm in still, contact? I'm still pretty cool with a lot of them online. Mm -hmm. So like on Facebook, I will get messages from them. Right. Or you know, on occasion you would write uh, like their posts, but on it, you do keep up with them. You see like um, the growth of some of their children or them nice. being published. And it's just really nice to see like all these cool things happening to people that you knew. And and I think there's a bond that happens as well of living with these people right. because they're the only people that you see for like two weeks. So you do have this really strange bond with them after the whole experience. Yeah. Wow. That sounds incredible. <laughs> they are. It's, they're really lovely. And, but you do have to do intimate work with them as well. So that makes you even more bonded with them. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the person that facilitated them. Um, gosh, what is her name? Hill. Her last name was Hill. Um, but she would just make us do these exercises before to get us like uncomfortably close with each other. <laughs> right. You know, um, but it's something I think that that also helps the, the relationships with all of us where you do, you knock down the barriers and you're, you're more willing and free to do things with them because you're more comfortable. Wow. That sounds incredible. You would, you would be so great there. You I'm going to have to look it up and see if I can find it. Girl, and the Arts Council will pay for it for you. That sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. What an amazing experience. Um, you've also had some really interesting experiences working with artists with intellectual disabilities as well, mm -hmm. um, which I think is amazing. Can you share a little bit about how you got started with this and how it's impacted your life and your arts practice working with this vulnerable group? Sure. Um, I got started actually in Bermuda. Um, I was working at the hospital and I was interested in working with um, art therapy. I wanted to know more about it. So I started volunteering and the person that was in charge of that program, the Mind Frame program right. and Photo Voice, um, Teresa Summerfield, um, mm -hmm. she you know, welcomed me to come in and work with the class on Thursdays. So I think um, I didn't know what to expect. And there's people of all different ranges and abilities, not just ranges and abilities, but also um, with different, I guess I want to say like the service users had different um, issues. So it's right. kind of like you have to build up their trust. So it makes you more like, um, all right, how am I going to reach this person or how am I going to get them to want to paint or want to do silk screening or do these things? So right. it's just constantly trying to figure out what their likes are. Mm -hmm. what they're comfortable with and then trying to push them a little bit further yes. and it was something that when I saw the when you see the, the the progression of the work or them opening up I think that's the most rewarding thing like yes I yeah. kind of got to them they that's like so it awesome <laughs> that's they so love awesome it yeah <laughs> so I think it's that and I um I that's what I enjoy it's just because you can see also a change in behavior. It's not that I'm a therapist and I don't want to speak out of turn, but you can see people being a little bit more willing and open, open mm -hmm. to certain things right. once you reach them and once they trust you and once they know that you're not trying to do any harm to them or, you know what I mean? Right. So right. I started doing that and I was doing that for a couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, um, I think before I left, like in 2017, I was doing it again, but with people with... Um, with intellectual disabilities and um, the older group with intellectual disabilities, as well as um, a, people with addiction right. issues. Mm -hmm. So it's all the same thing. You're dealing with people. 
no matter what their their um their cape what their abilities are you're just dealing with people and you have to yeah. find out and get them to trust you mm-hmm. um, in order to move forward and that's that's really what I try to do is be very um listen to them you just listen find out what they like they will open up to you yeah and then you just try your best to not push them but mm-hmm. suggest and if they want to go forward or whatever but and also making it like a really fun atmosphere because I would play music for them ask them what do you want to listen to Right. And it was really, it was weird because they were like, we want to listen to Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, really? <laughs> or they want to listen to classical music. And it just threw me for a loop. Made it very open for them. Yeah, that's incredible. And then, you know, I'm sure like over time you were able to even see some of their personalities come out too. Well, and then yeah. the heartbreaking thing is hearing the stories. Right. So that's also kind of like, you know, like you, one of the German philosophers, and I can't remember his name, but he's like, when you meet someone, always do it with, um, think keeping him, I'm paraphrasing really badly, but keeping in mind that mm. they're about to slit their own throat or something mm. like that, something very traumatic. So be gentle with everybody. Right, right. So um, that's what I try to do is try to be, when I first meet people, no matter who they are, is try to be gentle. Yeah. And, because you never know where people are going to be or where they at, where their mental health or mental headspace is. So but just hearing the stories is heartbreaking and it yeah. makes you more like wanting, want them to succeed in mm-hmm. their recoveries. When I came out here, um, I had mentioned to one of the graduates from my school that came in to kind of do a tutorial with us. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I really love working with people with intellectual disabilities. And right. she's like, you know what? We have a volunteer that left. Um, I will, uh, I will tell the group that um, you're interested and let's see if they will give you a meeting. And they met with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily they liked me and I've been volunteering there and it's been very rewarding. I just, my, the Wednesday group, I look forward to it. Yeah. It's like the best thing in the world. That's amazing. Uh, It's the same sort of thing. I just love it. You said you've worked with them and it's just like, Mm -hmm. I think that I would love to go more into and also, like, for Bermudians as well, um, they put a lot of focus on art therapists, but art therapist's job is to analyze your drawings or analyze who you are through your work. Mm. And so a lot of the social prescribing is what it's called, is getting people together in groups, right? Uh, social groups, um, for, the, for their mental health. So they can work on projects and do things together. It doesn't necessarily have to be visual arts, but it can also be um, music, it could be theater, mm-hmm. it could be anything that's like a, a social thing, but it, you need it. We all need to. Right. We all need it for our mental health. So it's something like our artists back home get a little bit of training and let them go into communities and um, teach music or teach the arts. But yes, yes I, I feel that like we need to use our artists more. Yes, we do. We do. I feel like artists um, have a really interesting place in the world and I think like change can be inspired um, by the work that artists not only make but also the relationships that artists have because I think we we have like a real how to say like we're we're real empathetic and like we're really feeling people and so I think especially with that kind of community or or that kind of group I think like there there could be amazing um, change and growth in progress with that group I think so and we deal with our feelings like yeah. when we're painting we're dealing with our feelings and then we also already know um 
the emotion, the effects that it has on our emotions and how it can calm us down and how it can actually help us deal with something negative and negative experience, mm -hmm. um, almost similar to what meditation would bring. Right. So I think that the whole definition of how we see artists or what artists can do, that whole thing, that whole stigma that all we do is color, I think needs to change. Yeah, definitely. Definitely needs to change. Do you think it is changing? Have you seen like a change? Um, I know that the, like my eyes were opened out here, like the amount that they're actually um, promoting like art as therapy, not necessarily art therapist, but art as therapy here. Nice. Like giving, um, teaching, like they do have programs um, in the UK, mm -hmm. um, NHS have them because like it's for a lot of mental health issues, they were clogging up like GP's offices. Right. So it's something that's prescribed for um, people with Alzheimer's, people that are lonely, people with um, mental health issues to actually be a part of a, of a group, be, yeah. go out there into the world and, and do something with people. And it's actually had very positive effects on their lives. And there has been a change. So it's, I think eventually we yeah, will see gradually. the effects of it. And yeah. then also look at like groups that are, I know you've seen people that do like painting parties and how happy yeah, they are. Yeah, those are cool. I love those. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing, except you're doing it with people that you don't necessarily know. Mm -hmm. But you're just meeting them for the first time. Yeah. So it's those are the things that I think could help and could mm -hmm. help a lot of people. So I'm, I'm hoping, um, I know things are changing over this side and sway, well, they were swaying that way. So I just hope it will continue. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, like we were saying earlier, it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen after COVID. Like if the attention would be placed in this regard, like in terms of like mental health and wellness, be interested to see where it falls and you know, how it evolves over time. But look at it though. Look at a lot of like, um, they said, like people didn't know what to do with themselves. So when they had all of this time and they're not going to work anymore, like people were looking up artists and art and how to do things and getting in touch with that again. Yes, definitely. So it's like, oh, okay, now now we have a little bit of value. Yeah. Art is teaching online. So, you know, I, I really hope it, it keeps up. I, I really hope that there's, we are seen, um, for the value that we bring to society. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I, I don't want to butcher the quote because I had seen a really cool quote that it said something like when the world was going up in flames, like everyone turned to music, turned to painting, turned to other forms of creativity, like whether it be crafting and knitting and mm -hmm. sewing and all these things. When everything was going bad in the world, like people turned to art and it's like, what is life without art? You exactly. Know? Yeah, <laughs> literally, it's what is it without it? It's, it's necessary for it. It's, you know, it is life. And so I think it, for me anyway, I don't know about you, but like, it's time well spent. Um, in it the is studio. time well spent. This yeah. is the only thing I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so, you know, speaking about time well spent and making work, I'd love to talk to you about your studio practice and you know what your artistic process is like working using textiles and screen printing I'd love to to hear a little bit about um, the process how it is for you working with these mediums 
You know, um, I know I should say I do a lot of research before and I actually do it, but I, I don't. Right. Um, it's, the work that I do is usually very intuitive. Mm-hmm. I do like doing research and um, getting inspired by um, something someone has said or the process of somebody else. But I, I love the I love getting into the work itself mm-hmm. and the trial and error and allowing myself to make ugly things yeah. or, um, or making things that are really, really bad and then trying to figure out if I make the next one, how do I fix it? So it's more like a problem solving as well as like um, an emotional, not emotional, but it is, I think just constant meditation. Interesting. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out where a lot of it is coming from right. because I do a lot of things without trying to overthink because I feel like once I start to over-research and overthink, mm-hmm. I don't do anything. Oh, wow. So it's like, because then I'm, I'm constantly, well, if I do it like this, then this will mean this. If I do it like that, it will mean that. And mm-hmm. it kind of takes me out of the track because I'm over-analyzing what I'm doing as I'm doing it. Right. So right. Um, a lot of what I do, I will have a rough idea So I'll be Mm -hmm. like, all right, I want to do something where two people are talking with each other. And then how am I going to do that? I want to use like the quote of um, like looking at something right now where, um, uh, gosh, William um, S. Burroughs, when he was talking about uh, language is a virus. Right. So like, how would I illustrate that or what can I do to do that? So I'm actually working on that right now. That's really cool. But also thinking in terms of, um, I notice a lot of my work now resembles like old 80s music videos. And mm-hmm. I think it's because like I was heavily immersed in that as a child. Right. Like I used to love watching them. And so um, what I'm, I'm doing is researching um, early 80s, late 70s experimental videos that invo- evolved a lot, um, involved a lot of scratch video, which just cut up um, videos of like... Um, Usually it's political in nature, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to use the whole political chop up videos. I'm going to be using like videos that I've made that are only like 15 seconds long, right. chopping them up to make um, a non-narrative uh, videos. So that's nice. basically what I'm doing, looking at that. So like um, going straight back to like 70s and 80s and working with the notion of just playing with video or acting like it's my first time, which it is, mm-hmm. um, putting things together no purpose but a visual things that move like they make no sense together right. but somehow they do yeah that's super cool um, um. with the with the, ana- with the animation with the characters um i was reading a lot about Bauhaus and i love uh, not Bauhaus, dada and um their costumes and also Bauhaus as well so i started making the characters based on Bauhaus um ballets nice. so i'm like but and you know how Bauhaus is very like systematic and it's very geometric shapes and everything has to be precise. Yeah. Well, I made mine where they're kind of grungy, so they just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But just uh, playing with those ideas and learning, learning about the characters and learning about the different art movements, but interpreting it my own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love, I love, like I said earlier, I love the videos that you're making. They're so playful. Like I feel like a kid watching them. Like they're so interesting. How long does it take you to make one? 
Um, it can take about, the longest one I did was about um, 40 seconds and it took me about like four hours to do it. Um, yeah. The other, because, but it was only, I would have tried to go longer, but my phone only has a certain amount of memory before it just says like, uh-uh, we can't take anymore. Right, right. So, but now I can do it because I, I was able to source a laptop for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. I have to give it back. But I'm able to use my phone as a remote camera. Oh, so cool. That can be and use the computer to, you know, snap the pictures. Right. So it's making things a lot easier. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it's exciting, the new stuff that you're working on. I'm really excited to see where it goes because I think it's, like, great potential. Like, I, I really, really like it. Thank um, you. I think I like old stuff. Right. Like, it's an old animation process. Mm -hmm. um, I like weaving. That's an old one. Printmaking. I think I, I was just born in the wrong century. No, but I, <laughs> I, I think you have a really cool contemporary take on it, though. You know, and that's what makes it different. Um, and that's why I think it's really cool. Um, but I wanted to ask you about your studio. I know you said that, you know, there were some things that you can't, can't access, especially right now during the pandemic. But in your usual studio, what are some things that you can't live without? Oh, um, gosh. You know what? To be perfectly honest, um, I don't – where we have is a shared space, shared area for the MA students. Mm -hmm. So it's not technically like a studio studio. So most of the work I would do in, like, the computer labs if I was doing video right. or um, – if I was making like paper mache things I would make in that room. If I was weaving, I'd probably do that at home or sewing. I would do in the sewing rooms that they would have there. Right. But so different places. It's all in different places. But I think um, the, where I work right now is I'm more comfortable working on a floor. Hmm. So even, I haven't heard like, that one. <laughs> That's even, cool. Like, silk screening, I would silk screen on the floor. Um, yeah back in Bermuda. Out here, um, same thing. I will be weaving, but sitting on the floor weaving. Um, but also like doing my stop motion or doing video, yeah, doing the stop motion. How I do it is I prop my phone up on our, uh, on the coffee table mm -hmm. and I'm actually doing it right there on the floor. Wow. Just, it's a small space. Yeah. It's like um, the, the amount of space that I'm using is probably like 11 by 17 at the largest but it's smaller than that. Wow. So I'm just using a teeny tiny little area. Wow. But and it's so crazy because the, the films don't look like that at all. Like they look larger than life. Like, yeah, it's little. Yeah. And that's what's so cool <laughs> about that. That's so awesome. But it's all just humble little small spaces. So yeah. for me, it's always the floors. My, but I think I prefer, I don't know what it is, but I guess it's like uh, when you're a kid and you're coloring and you're coloring on the floor. Right. Right. Um, I feel I feel better doing everything that way. Like, I don't know if I could do um, animation the proper way where it's you're standing up with the light overhead and the proper camera and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I prefer it on the floor. So the floor is the thing you can't live without in your studio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone can. But yeah, I think I, I would have to, or more my phone. Can't mm -hmm. live without my phone because it's been like my saving grace. Right. Yeah, especially um, during this time, during the pandemic, right? Yes. Yeah. That is the thing. 
Yeah. What is your What is your thing that you can't live without from your studio? Mm, that's a good question. Um, what is it? Um, you know, it's funny. I think it's changed over time. Um, depending on how. Okay, so for me, it's it's now a Chinese calligraphy ink. Oh wow. Yeah, it's changed. Because now, like, I use that so much in my work. I, I use it in an unconventional way because I don't really use, like, the traditional, like, rice paper. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I use it kind of, like, to make um, skin, like, mm -hmm. for some of the collages that I'm making. And just, mm -hmm. like, for other things, like, staining. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird how, how that's become, like, the, the number one thing for me. But, yeah. Have you made your own paper? I haven't. No, I oh haven't. Oh my god, you're gonna love it. I haven't. I would love to try it. And it's crazy. I, I don't know why I haven't yet because, you know, China's like a, a huge place for that. Um, you know, yeah. paper making and things. But that's actually one of the things that I have thought about, but I haven't done it yet. Oh yeah. my god, can you imagine making your own paper? And oh then doing my your own goodness, paper? I would love that. Also too, because I've been collaging, I'd really be mm -hmm. interested to see like how the like different textures and things take yeah, to what's the work. Yeah. What's great about making your own paper is like save your onion skins mm -hmm. or like your potato skins and things like that, boil them down and add it to the pulp or like coffee grinds and add that to it or grass and boil it and smash it to pulp and then just making your own textures and things. But yes, what's so great cool. out there is because you guys, because you're in China, you can get like abaca or you can get like, um, what's the other one? Um, all of these wonderful pulps that they have out there, like the mm -hmm. uh, rice paper or hemp and all of that, which you can boil yes. down yourself. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so beautiful. I, I would love to try it. And when I do try well, it, I'm going to have to send it to you so you can see. <laughs> it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah. I, I actually would. It's really addictive as well, it. you know. Because next thing you know, you'll be like saving all this stuff. Like, what's this going to look like as paper? Right. And then be, then I'll turn into a hoarder. <laughs> and I That's what we are. <laughs> right. Embrace it. Because <laughs> I already feel like I do hoard a lot of shit that I don't need already. I'm like, okay, I'll use this at some point. And then two years later, when I'm cleaning out my studio, I'm like, oh, I never used this. <laughs> mm -hmm. You find like skulls. Like, I was going to use that fish skull. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, definitely turned into a mini art supply hoarder for sure. No, you just need a bigger space. I know. <laughs> and and the thing is, right now I'm working out of my little sister's old room, which I'm really oh. grateful for the space right now. But mm -hmm. um it's so much smaller than like the space that I have in China and much smaller than the space I had even before I moved to Hangzhou. So it's interesting i'm having to change my scale you know because i'm based here temporarily so yeah but you know like you were saying earlier artists adapt you know mm -hmm. we make it work with what we have and so yeah it's going pretty 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 good um, considering i think yeah and i think also if i'm completely honest one of the things that i really miss is my table loom like, I don't mm. have one out here, but it's in storage back in Bermuda. Right. And that's the thing I miss the most. It, I really do miss. Um, Are they expensive that. to get out here? Um, they can be. They're about like, 
I guess a nice small one when I checked was about 250. Right. right. Um, it's not that that much, but I'm still a student. So, mm-hmm. and also it's a pandemic. So you don't want to. Right. You're like, oh, you don't want to pay more than 20 pounds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 2020 is an interesting year. We'll adapt and we'll make it work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, I wanted to ask you, Amy, if you weren't an artist, what do you think that you would have done career-wise? Hmm, um, that's a good question. I think as a kid, I wanted to work more with animals. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't know, I guess like, like a, every a veterinarian. Kid, every kid, I think at one point, like, I'm going to be a vet. Um, <laughs> Probably, you know what, if I wasn't uh, an artist, I would probably be someone that was like a, um, either into some sort of work of care. So, okay. so mm-hmm. maybe something like a teacher or someone working with people that have um, uh, special needs of some sort. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely somebody working with a vulnerable population. Right because that's what I enjoy the most. Yeah, and it's so cool because you're doing that anyway <laughs> now, even yeah, though you are an artist. Art. Yeah, exactly. So you're, so you're living out both paths, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we wrap up. I think it's really awesome, like your journey and, you know, you going back to school. That's amazing which is inspiring because, you know, like the learning never stops. Like we can always like go back and and learn more and Mm -hmm. acquire like more skills. But you've gotten like many awards and received like some scholarships to continue furthering your education. What's some advice that you can give to artists who are interested in like more professional and personal development? Um, Keep working, show your work. Um, be as involved as you can in the community, try to give back. And also, even if, um, of course, know your work, worth and everything else, but volunteer for places that deserve it. Yes. Um, but be involved in the community. I feel like I, I really learned a lot by giving time and being involved in, in many different community projects mm-hmm. and growing from that and learning from that because it helps you with your social skills. Right. And it helps you to um, learn about people. Mm-hmm. And then it also helps you with your spidey senses. Like if you start sensing like, all right, this might go wrong because, you know, it's very feels very familiar to something that didn't work out in the past. Right. So, yeah. but definitely just put yourself out there. Don't be fearful. Just keep going. Um, people are going to say bad things about you, whether you do good work or not. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, but just keep yourself out there, be involved and yes. give back, give back to the community and, and try to be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome advice. You know, thinking about like the journey, like it's, it's never ending. It's like ever evolving and growing. And so it's not like a real destination. Um, so I think that that's great advice for sure. So thank you so much, Amy. I wanted to ask you what's next for you. What, what do you have coming up on your calendar? Um, what's 2020 um, looking like for you? Well, the thing that I'm mostly focusing on right now is that I have to get ready for my assessment. So I'm getting ready for um, 
how am I, and thinking about um, how am I going to put my work together and present it in the website, because that's how we have to do our assessment now. Oh, nice. So it's like, how am I going to do my work? How is it going to be displayed and how is it going to be seen? Right. So right now I'm working on uh, converting my living room into a gallery or an installation space. <laughs> so I'm cool. going to be using the couches, the coffee table, the cat tree, the cats will be in it and also have my kids walking in and out of it. Yeah. But use everything, not be um, trying to hide that it's a living room. Mm-hmm. but um, somehow make it all work into the vision that I'm trying to yes. portray. And like you said earlier, like, you know, we got to work with what we have. So I exactly. think, yeah, I think that's awesome. Well, Amy, this has been so amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Quickly, before you go, I just wanted to ask you, um, where can people find you online? I, I can be found on Instagram. Um, so it's just Amy, A-M-I. Xander, Z-A-N-D-E-R-S, mm-hmm. on Instagram. So that's probably the easiest place to find me, actually. Okay, awesome. Amy, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I learned oh, a lot. Yes, and I'm so glad that we could reconnect. This okay. is wonderful. Okay, yes, bye. take care. Please share with friends, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us online at theartifacts.com and on Instagram at The Artifacts. If you'd like to send us a message or to suggest an artist that you'd like to see on the show, please connect with us at theartifacts at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you our upcoming episodes. Peace and blessings. This recording is copyrighted by Jude Hassel, and all rights are reserved. <laughs>